All right. So let's pray and then I'll start, okay? Bow your heads, lose your lids. Let's lift up our voices to the Lord. Father in heaven, you're good. And we are grateful to have an opportunity to gather together again tonight. And just like we always say, Lord, just to leave, just for a while, leave all the junk outside and just help us to be in here and be attentive and be listening for your voice to touch our hearts in the way that you need to touch us tonight. I pray that each person goes out of here tonight with a little better understanding of who you are and who you say we are in our lives to help us to understand our own identity in Christ. So, Father, may all we do here tonight um, bring glory to your name, and may you be pleased with what we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so last week we talked about um, Matthew 16. We talked about when the disciples, when Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And we talked about that where Peter says, you are the son, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So Peter got the answer right. So last week we looked at who do we say Jesus is? Because as we go through this series on identity, I really truly believe that to get this right, you guys got GPSs on your phone, right? Maps. And when you plug in an address, it says, start this direction, right? That's which way you tell it. So you got to get the address in there right. So we know our destiny is going to be heaven. That's where we want to go. And to do that, we plug in our address and it says to start and turn this direction and follow these Follow these instructions and you will make it to your destination. And I believe the first instruction that we need to have, the address, is who, who, do, who do we say Jesus is? Because if we don't understand that he is the Messiah, the one who died for our sins, we find forgiveness in him, we, that's a bad start. So this week what I want to do is I want to turn our attention to who does Jesus say we are. And next week, so you guys know, and yeah, by the way, if you want, skinny into your small groups too if you can. That would be very helpful. Thanks. Um, Tonight we're going to talk about who does Jesus say we are. Next week we are going to talk about why are we here. So the big idea next week is going to be why are we here. So we know who Jesus is. We're going to find out tonight who he says we are. And then next week we're going to talk about why are we here. What's the deal with this? Why are we Christians on earth? What are we supposed to be doing with this? And all that type of stuff. And then a week after that we'll be talking about kind of the, the direction or our destiny in life, if you will. If we can put it that way. So tonight, I believe this, you guys. I believe one of the biggest experiences you as teenagers are finding, finding in high school is a clear sense of your identity. Because I remember when I was in high school, if you would have came up and asked the question, I'll be asking you guys in just a little bit, who is Dan Canoost? If I was to answer it, honestly, I wouldn't have had a clue who I was when I was in high school. But I believe it's hard for you guys in high school because you're not kids anymore, but yet you're not adults because you don't have all the responsibility of an adult. So you're stuck in this minutia of being a teenager in high school trying to figure out who in the world am I when I'm stuck in a building every day with hundreds and hundreds of other kids that look different than I do, dress different than I do, some I might relate to, some I might not relate to. But the idea of who does Jesus say I am is going to make a lot of difference for us tonight. I believe this, whatever or whoever you give your heart to, now hear this, whatever or whoever you give your heart to is where you will find your identity. And why can I say that? Because in high school, her name was Carol DeLulu, little red-haired girl. And her and I were boyfriend and girlfriend, sophomores in high school, old fuzzy-headed buck-toothed Dan and little red-haired Carol. I have no idea where she's at. Smartest thing she ever did was dump me. <laughs> but she was my identity. And the reason why I say that is because I remember one, of course, like most high school relationships, you break up 5,000 times with each other, right? And then you get back together again because you love each other so much, you can't do without one another. So we broke up one day, and you know what the first thing I thought of? Who am I going to sit with at lunch? Because I kicked all my friends to the curb like we normally do when we start dating in high school. Because I found my identity in the young lady that I was dating, and I didn't have a clue who I was. So whatever you give your heart to, I really want you guys to get this statement tonight. Whatever or whoever you give your heart to is where you will find your identity. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask you this question. Who defines you? See, I know this. I made a list of things that I, I kind of got an idea of. I think, I want to make sure if I can communicate this to you guys clearly. Most people who say they're Christians are so worried about what they do, they forget about who they are. Well, I, I do these certain things, so therefore I am a Christian. And when I stop doing these certain things, then I'm not a Christian. I want to encourage you guys to be first, then do. I hope that makes sense to you guys, because I want you guys to be someone first, 
and then live out your life as Christians by doing stuff. But we're so focused on what we're doing because we get to control that. To be, we just got to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. See, when I was younger, my dad defined me. My dad took me down on the south side of, the, of Billings, Montana, where I lived, and he was right in doing so. Probably didn't do it correctly, but he was right in his intent. He took me down there because I was going to be, if I'd stayed on the path I was on in high school, I would have been an absolute loser in life. He took me down to the homeless guys on the south side of town, drove me around and said, boy, this is the direction you're going. Now, did he do it right? No. Would I have done it as a dad? Never. But his intent was right, and he was correct in what he was saying. But for a while in my life, my dad defined me. I couldn't do anything right. I was a loser. I was a wimp. I was weak. I couldn't get anything right. I was always in trouble physically and mentally abused. You name it, I went through it as a kid. And so did my brother. Here's the other thing that doesn't define us. Our past. Your past does not define you. My past does not define me. It's real, and I still think about it, and it's still part of my experience today, but my past does not define me. My circumstance that I'm experiencing in life, that does not define me. What I'm experiencing, the situation that I am, does not have, the, does not have to be allowed to define me. But the problem we got is a lot of times it does. My success and my failures do not define me. I watched the football game Monday night between LSU and Clemson. The quarterback for Clemson, he's a strong faith believer. I got a pretty good hunch that when he got up the next morning, he was still who he was the day before, even though he lost the football game, the championship football game. His success or his failures did not define him just like they shouldn't define us, but they do. If we're to just be boned up honest, our success and failure has a lot to do with what we believe about ourselves. My mistakes do not define me. Hear that, young people. The mistakes you make do not define who you are. No one else's opinion gets to define me. Ladies, look at me. My heart breaks for you girls because I know how mean girls are. And the way other girls define you is not, does not have to be how you see yourself. And I don't define me. I do not define who I am. Dan Knust, no longer, when I was young like you guys, I decided who I was that day. I decided what I wanted to do that day because life was all about me. It's like we talked about last week. I was selfish, not selfless. Life was all about me and what I wanted to do, and as long as I could get away with it, I could be the best kid in the world in front of the right people, and I could be the biggest stone and heathen, breathing, fire-breathing dirt bag in front of somebody else. I had, I had behavior modification down very well. And the reason why is because life was all about me. And my poor parents had to deal with a kid where life was all about me. And I love my mom and dad. My mom and dad loved me, but I, man, I had to be hard to raise when I was a kid. Because of those things, I was selfish, not selfless. I was a nice person. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't some mean individual. I was very nice. You guys would have never known what was going on in the dark corridors of my heart when I was, when I was your age. And I believe some of you in this room tonight are like that. If we could really follow you around 24 hours a day for seven days a week, we'd find out things about you that you wouldn't want us to know. But that does not define you because you don't get to define you. Tonight, I want to talk about as a Christian, God gets to define me. But what I want to do is I'm going to do something a little bit different than what we normally do in youth group. I'm going to have someone come alongside me tonight and help me try to paint a picture for you guys of what this looks like, who God says I am. Who's watched the movie Overcomer at the theater that came out not too long ago? Good. A lot of you haven't seen it yet. Here, I'm going to give you, a, come to give you kind of an idea of what this movie's about, and then we're going to use three clips from this movie tonight. And as I talk about some things that I'm going to touch on here in just a little bit, I want to have a young lady by the name of Hannah Scott who is in this movie, she's going to help me tell this story tonight of how we find our identity in Christ. Hannah Scott, it, it, the movie basically has a lot to do with identity. And on February 9th, if you want to come watch the movie at the church, we're watching it together just on a movie night. One of the best movies I've ever watched in my life. This is a very good movie. In the scene we're about to watch, that Corey's going to bring up on the screen in just a second. What's happening is Hannah Scott is a teenage girl in high school. She's at a brand new school. Um, 
doesn't know her mom and dad. They've both been, she's been told both of them have died. I'm not going to be a spoiler alert. I'm going to kind of be careful with that tonight. But the scene that you're seeing, Hannah Scott is a cross-country runner who has asthma. And she's the only girl on her, only kid on her team. She's a one-man cross-country, one-girl cross-country team. And she has asthma. She just got done running a race in this thing, in this story, the part of the movie that we're going to watch. Her coach is not a cross-country coach. He's a basketball coach. And the town, they, the, the, one of the plants left, one of the big refineries left, whatever it was, and everybody left town. Well, he doesn't have a basketball team anymore, so the, the principal asked him to coach cross-country. So here he sits with a girl with asthma, one person on his cross-country team, and he doesn't have a uh, basketball team as a basketball coach. So he's trying to figure out how to do this as well. But in a scene that we're going to watch here in just a minute, the coach asks Hannah this question. He says, who is Hannah Scott? Watch the clip. Hannah, can you tell before a race whether you might have an attack? Sometimes. But today, I felt good. You're a good runner, Hannah. Ethan said he'd pick up well, so we've got time. So I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about it, okay? Who is Hannah Scott? I don't know. Do you believe God loves you? He does more than you know. Why did he take my parents? I think it's easy sometimes to blame God for decisions that we make or other people make. So who is Hannah Scott? I want you guys to turn to your tables and I want this, I'm going to do an activity with you guys while we're doing this tonight. That's the question before you at your table is who is Zoe Worthen? Who is Marina Zeller? I want you guys to turn to the table and each one of you get a piece of paper and I want you to take like 30 seconds and write five things down of who is Will Miller, who is Nan Knust, who is Dylan Brown. But here's what I want you to do. Watch this, pay attention. When you're done writing this down, don't let anybody else see what you're writing. Turn your paper upside down and hand it to your leader. Because what you're going to do after you write all this down is as a leader, you're going to look at this page and you're going to start saying these things about what the person wrote about themselves. And then you got to decide if you know who it is at your table that you're talking about. Do you guys understand? So write down what you see about yourself. Five things. Who is Kendall? Who is Jacqueline? Turn it over, hand it to your leader. And then what the leader is going to do is start reading these things that you said. And you get to guess who the person at the table is. And then we'll turn back in a second. When you are done writing it down, turn it over and hand it to your leader, and then you guys can start processing through it as soon as you're ready. Okay, this is not an all-night exercise.
All right, hurry up, moving on. We might have to finish this when we get into small groups, so hurry up. All right, everybody, we're going to have to turn back to the front. Hold on, hold on, you get a chance to small group. You'll be able to do it in just a little bit. So just don't yell at me, Kylie. <laughs> All right, I want to keep moving on because I want to give you guys a chance later on to talk about this in your small groups as well. So turn your attention back to the front of the room. Here's what I know. There's three things that I want to look at tonight. I think there's three essential things that we need to understand to really get our arms around how we start to look at and how we can trust the process of allowing God to define who we are. Last week, we, allowed, we, we looked at who Jesus is. Now we know who he is. And we're going to look tonight. Because, listen, if we don't know who he is, and we don't realize he's Messiah, why does he get to tell me who I am? Because he's got to be Lord and Savior. Otherwise, he can't speak into my life. So it's important that we understand that. But there's three things. The first thing is we've got to know God's created us. The second thing, God purchased us by giving us one and only son. And then the third thing is God defines us. So watch the first one. This is going to be real short and to the point. God created you. God created you. He created man and woman. He, and it says in Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. The world is telling you today that you get to decide whether you want to be a boy or a girl. There's people in the world that think that that's correct. Is there not? Yes, that's not being rude or anything. It's just the reality of it. But what they're doing in an ultimate, in a roundabout way, what they're doing is they're trying to thwart God's stance as creator. God created us male and female. Here's what I know. It's a quote from the movie. It's earlier in this movie. Something or someone will have first place in your heart. But when your identity is in the one who created you, it will change your whole perspective. We have to realize God created me. He created me. He made me. He intimately knows me. The scripture says this, for you created me in my, inner, my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So if we, if we know who Jesus is last week and we look at in John 1, he's the word, the word was with God, the word was God, nothing that was created that wasn't created by him. He's God. He created us. He made us. We are not, and look at me, you are not an accident. There are so many people running around this world that think they're a mistake and they think they're, you're not an accident. God has you born for this moment right now for his glory and for his use and his purpose. The second thing is this. God purchased us. He redeemed us. You guys that were here earlier in the year when we went through the gospel, you guys realize God created us to be with him, but our sin separated us from him. And when Adam and Eve in the garden sinned, they were federal headship. They were the, they were the, the first of, of the human race. So we get to live by what their consequences of what they did when Adam ate the fruit, sin entered the world. Now we were born with a sinful nature. We all went through this earlier in the year. But that sin, when we sin, sin does this. It separates us from God. 
So we are dead in our sins and trespasses until we become a Christian. And then God comes along and he breathes the breath of life into you. But what God did, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. I'll touch on this even more. God gave his one and only son. He loved you so much that he bought you back with the blood of Jesus Christ. The scripture says this. And listen, we do not deserve it. We do not deserve it and there's not anything you can do to earn salvation. All the other religious systems in the world are going to tell you, you can earn it. You do enough, you'll make it to heaven. In Christianity, there's one way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven except, no one gets to the Father except through me. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. And in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, it says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for doing good things. We have done. That way, none of us can boast about it. So I can never say, I made it to heaven. I did enough to make it to heaven. But see, you got to understand, we were separated from God. When we sin, we separate ourselves from God. And God gets us at the plan on what that looks like to be redeemed back. And he did that through his son, Jesus Christ, by dying on a cross, shedding his blood. Because the Bible says there there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. God set the program up. God gets to do it. So since he created you, that's what he has done. And he loved you enough to rescue you. I want this to stick because I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on. He loved you enough to rescue you because he knew you were separated from him. It says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Don't you realize that your body is a a temple for the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, the blood of Jesus, so that you're bought, so you must honor God with your body. We're not ours. We belong to him when we're Christians because we've confessed him as our savior. He's the one that paid that high price to redeem me, to save me, and to bring me back into right relationship with God. And this is where it's going to click over. And I really hope you guys will start to get this because the Bible also tells us that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, When we become a Christian, we gain a new spiritual identity. See, there was B.C. Dan Canoost. And then after Dan Canoost was saved, I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm not what I used to be. I've been forgiven for my sin. I've been covered by the blood of Jesus. And the Bible makes it very clear. When we become the temple of God, the Holy Spirit of God resides in you. You get a new spiritual identity is what happens. This means... That anyone who belongs to Christ becomes a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. You look at 2 Corinthians 15, 7. What I want to do now is in this movie, this young lady, Hannah Scott, we're going to turn back to the movie in just a minute here. But she's saved. The, 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 the scene we're going to watch here in just a minute, she's given her life to Christ. She prayed with one of the, the principal at school. She decided to give her life to Jesus to be forgiven for her sin. So she's prayed the sinner's prayer. She is now in the family of God. And what she does is that the principal tells her, if you'll turn to the right side of your bulletin, there's a scripture there, Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 8. We're going to read that in just a second. But this principal tells her, she's just given her life to Christ. And what the principal does, is she says, now what I want you to do is since you're a new creation, since you have a new spiritual identity, you need to find out who you are in that spiritual identity. So what this teacher does is she tells her to go read Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. And find out what God says about her. This is where we transition into finding out what God says about me. Chapter 3 in Ephesians 1 says this, or verse 3. Blessed be the name, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, and I, I made it bold and italicized and underlined these words for you, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing and in the heavenly places, even as he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to, his, to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in, in the beloved. In him we have redemption through, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavishes upon us. And then we'll move over to Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love 
with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our, sin, in, our, in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus." That's what she did. Watch this. If we're a new creation, we got to know who, we got to have a spiritual identity. We have to understand who we are. And that principle turned her to scripture. Last week, remember this when we talked about this last week? When we stood on one side of the room and on the other side of the room, and then we stood face to face with each other? Remember the clarity that we had? From across the room, we saw a certain part of a person. But then when we got together and we were face to face, we had more clarity, didn't we? I want you guys to understand something. That clarity comes from looking at God through the word of, through the Bible, through the word. Because if I'm standing across the room from Christ, if this is how my Christian experience is, if I'm clear over here and Jesus is way over there, that's how, that's how I'm living out my Christian experience? How am I supposed to know my identity by someone I'm supposed to learn from that's clear across the room? But just as soon as we came toward each other and we started to see specific things, we had more clarity, remember that? That's opening up the Bible and reading the Word. Then we get to know who we are in Christ. If we don't do that, it's just me telling you that. And you'll never, the Holy Spirit of God will only do so much with my voice. But when you spend time in His Word, He will touch you in ways that will blow your mind. But I want you guys to understand something. I want to stop for just a second and I want to focus on that one word in Ephesians chapter 1 and it's adoption. Because I got to thinking about all the things I could be telling you guys tonight about who you are in Christ. But I want you guys to know you are a child of God when you say yes to Christ. So watch this clip. This will show you what she went through after she got saved while she's reading scripture. Pay attention to the screen. You know, the Bible says that when you place faith in Jesus, you are a brand new creation. You are brand new. I want you to do something for me, okay? There's a book of the Bible in the New Testament. It's called Ephesians. I want you to just look at the first two chapters, read it through, and write down everything that it says you are as a believer in Christ. Can you do that? Yes, ma'am. So are you? Are you a child of God? Because if you said yes to Jesus, you are. Whether you believe that or not, see, that's a truth we get to accept. 
you are a child of God and you belong to a family now. I want you to think about that. Have you given your heart to Christ? Have you given your heart to Jesus? Because remember what we talked about, who or whatever you give your heart to is where you will find your identity. I really want you guys to understand this is something we have to accept. God's going to speak to your heart when you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God ministers to us within. And when you're laying in your bed at night and he's whispering in your ear and he's going, I love you, you're my child. That impacts us. That's face-to-face. That's up close with clarity. I'm going to read a couple scriptures to you guys, and then we're going to close with another part of this video, and then we'll turn back to small groups. Realizing that as a believer I have been adopted by God and part of his family, I am a child of God. I am born again. Romans 8.15 says, Instead, you have received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Think about that, you guys. Look at me. The one who hung the stars in the sky knows every hair on your head. He intimately wants to have a relationship with you. He went to great extent to do that, to adopt you back into his family. John 1, 12 and 13. Oh, I want to stop. Romans 8, 15 also says, Now we call him Abba, Father. Abba, Father means this. If I can put it into English words, he's my daddy. He's my dad. See, remember what I talked about when my dad and I's relationship was like when I was young? I didn't have a dad. I didn't, I didn't get along with my dad. I always wanted that dad, that father that just loved me and was just proud of me and was, I was okay. When I got saved at the age of 38 years old, I, I realized I got a father in heaven who just loves me and went to the extent that he did to redeem me and call me his child. Abba Father. John 1, 12 and 13 says this, Yet to all who have received him, to those who believed in his name, that's Jesus, he he gave the right to become children of God, children not born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 1 John 3, 1, What great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And look, and that is, is what we are. That's a new creation in Christ. That's your spiritual identity. And knowing that foundation, we build our Christian experience out of that. So we watched Hannah Scott. Coach asked her, who is Hannah Scott? Hannah Scott says, I don't have a clue. I don't know. Then we watched Hannah. She gets saved. And then she gets, in, notice, what she, notice what she told the principal? She asked her, can you do that? And she said, yes, I can. And what did she do? She did it. She got the Bible out and she read it. And when she read the Bible, that's where she found who she is in Christ in Scripture. If you don't get your nose in the Scripture, you're never going to find out who God is. You will not have that clarity. But then we found out. Then she's a child of God. Now watch this next scene. She asked the coach, she tells the coach, ask me who Hannah Scott is. Pay attention. Anna, you okay? Ask me who I am. Ask me who I am. Who is Hannah Scott? I am created by God. He designed me. So I'm not a mistake. His son died for me, just so I could be forgiven. He picked me to be his own, so I'm chosen. He redeemed me, so I am wanted. He showed me grace, just so I could be saved. 
He has a future for me because he loves me. So I don't wonder anymore, Coach Harrison. I am a child of God. I just wanted you to know. I hope between what I had to say tonight and watching the video clips shows you guys a process of maybe not knowing who you are. Maybe you've been a believer in this room tonight. Maybe you've given your life to Christ already. I don't know. But maybe you have done that, but you didn't realize who you are. You're a child of God. He loves you. What I want you guys to do is take a few minutes, turn back to your table, and on those sheets, I also put on your bulletins tonight. I want you guys to take those home with you tonight because I want you to cover what's on the right side of that page where I've got all those different things that are listed of who God says we are. Do me a favor during your small groups. Take time to look at those and, and be honest with each. Did you notice? Look at me. Did you notice in that scene she was in front of all of her peers? To pick up on that? So tonight at your tables, I want you to be honest with each other. And I want you to look at those things that God says you are. And maybe one of them is loved. And you're challenged by that. And you're like, I don't feel loved. I have trouble accepting that truth. Be honest of what is good and you can accept and what you might be challenged with tonight. And be honest at your table and talk about that. And then we'll finish up here in just a few minutes.
Okay, everybody. If I can have your attention back to the front of the room, I want to close tonight with a song. Um, but I got a thought for you guys before I do that. Down at the bottom of your page, I want you guys to remember this. I read this in the story. A mom, every time this young man was right, he wrote this article in a magazine. He was telling about the story when his mom, whenever he would go out on a date, his mom would always tell him, remember who you are before he would leave the house. Remember who you are, she'd tell her son. And why, why that captured me as I wrote this, you will, you will remember who you are if you remember who Jesus is. That's why it's so important to know who he is because that's where we find our identity. So you will remember who you are when you remember who Jesus is. So don't forget who you are. Jess and Michael, if I can have you guys come to the stage, they're going to close with a song that I really want you guys to get because I, under, I believe this with all my heart. I am one of the most grateful people on the planet that my God saved me. I lived in darkness for 38 years, you guys, and I know what the pit of hell looks like, and I know what Satan's breath smells like. I held hands with him for a long time. And I have such an attitude of gratitude toward what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross, and God raising him from the dead, and we serve a living God. I am always overwhelmed with just a grateful heart. And I really believe, if you go all the way back to my second point, and when we realize the extent that God went to to redeem us back into a relationship with him so that he could call us his child. When you look at what happened on the cross and you look at what Jesus Christ went through with the excruciating experience he had hanging on that cross, beaten to where scripture says barely looked like a human being, hung like a common day criminal for us. He, he took upon your wrath that was meant for you. We do not deserve salvation. But Jesus Christ took upon the wrath that was meant for you as a sinner and took it upon himself. Scripture says God loved us. He showed us his love by this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when we look at what the extent of what God went to to redeem us back into right relationship with him, we should come out of that with very grateful attitudes and grateful hearts. And I believe a person who understands that and is grateful for it will live their life to God's glory because you are overwhelmed by God's, him lavishing his love on you through his son on the cross. So as Jessica is going to sing this song, Michael's going to help her with the guitar. I want you guys to just sit kind of in a prayerful mindset and just let God talk to his kids. Because if you're a child in here tonight, a child of God, you have a dad in heaven who loves you and showed it through the cross. Let him talk to your heart tonight while they sing. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all
If you guys would do me a favor, bow your heads and close your eyes. As we sit in here tonight, I really want this to rest on each one of us, including myself. We are his children. We belong to the family of God. So if you're ever wondering who you are and what your identity is, that's true north. That's where I want your compass to point, is to know that I'm his child. And all those other things that we'll learn about him are all as true. But that's the foundation I want you guys to step out of tonight. As you leave this room tonight, I want you to know in your heart that that's true. So I want, if you would do me a favor, all around the room with your eyes closed and your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're a child, if you can honestly say, I've accepted the identity tonight that I am a child of God, I want you to raise your hand up high. If you're not, you keep your hand down. You be honest because God knows your heart. Good. Many of you in the room. Okay, put your hands down. For those of you that didn't raise your hands, I want you to know that I'm going to be praying for you. I want you to know that I want to be praying for you that somewhere along the way you would have an encounter with Christ, that you would be willing and able to give your heart to him because you trust him, because you know who he is and you know who he wants to call you. If you are in this room tonight and you're ready to make that decision to make Jesus your Lord tonight, would you raise your hand up high? Thank you for being honest. I want you to know all you have to do to make that decision is to ask Jesus to forgive you, to know that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior and He's it. And He will rest His hand upon your shoulder and tell you in your heart that you are a child of God, that you are forgiven. Father in heaven, we love you, praise you, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word and the truth that's in it. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just, boy, dog our steps with this, Lord. When we leave here tonight and we get back into the busyness of what's outside of this room, just pray that we would hear your voice, that quiet, still voice, to remind us who we are and what our identity is in you. Because we know who you are. Help us to remember that. Help us, Lord, to remember who you are so we don't forget who we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.